Guys, elk season is less than four months away. In fact, I think it's less than three months away at this point. So this is the episode where you're going to really want to listen because September archery season is going to be here before you know it. And we're going to bring back a fan favorite. There exists a threat from anti-hunting groups to politicians trying to give our land away, and we won't stand for it. Those vast western landscapes provide the space for our wildlife to thrive and a place for hunters and anglers to fuel the fire that sparks their soul. In this show, we share our love of hunting, fishing, and conservation. Here, we provide the foundation to meet these threats through passion and the grit of the American outdoorsman. Welcome to the Western Huntsman Podcast. Welcome to this episode of the Western Huntsman Podcast. This is Jim Huntsman, your host, coming at you from the Broken Tine Studio. I almost got tongue-tied there. The Broken Tine Studio right here in Clark Fork, Idaho. Thanks for joining me this week, guys. Um, on this episode, uh, we're going to be talking all things elk hunting with my buddy Michael Batiste from the Elk Calling Academy. Uh, and any of you old salty Western Huntsman podcast listeners are going to know Michael pretty well. Uh, he's been on the show a few times. Before I kick that off, I do want to announce, um, as as we release these episodes and we're going through, a lot of the feedback I get are requests for people to come on the show or or like subject matter experts on certain topics. And so what I try to do is I... I take those requests and, you know, if there's like a consistent pattern with them, I'm, I'm always looking for people to kind of fill that, uh, that void because especially if I'm interested in it. And there's been three categories that I am, I am personally interested in and I've had a lot of requests for. And the problem is, is I'm having trouble finding people to fill these spots. And so what I'm going to do is ask for your guys' help. And the three categories that I'm looking for with a guest, are uh, the first one being a really good camp chef. So think, like picture yourself up in the elk woods and you've got like a wall tent set up, you've got some cast iron, you know, cookware and maybe a Dutch oven or a griddle or, or something like that. Somebody that is really good uh, around, you know, whether we're cooking on a campfire or whatever else I mentioned there. Somebody, just a really good camp chef. Somebody, and it doesn't—they don't necessarily even have to be a camp chef. They could be like an outfitter chef, or you know, the the guys that like a chuck wagon dude that goes out with the cowboys and and uh, while they're herding cattle or whatever. Uh, I don't care as long as they've got they've got some pretty good chops uh, around a, a camp kitchen kind of setup. And so I'm looking for somebody like that. If you know somebody, or you know of somebody, and you feel like they might be interested. Um, please hit them up for me or have them reach out to me. The best way to do that is to jump on our website at thewesternhuntsmanpodcast.com. If you're following us on Instagram, it's the link in the bio. Uh, It's always the same link. Uh, Jump on there, and there is a tab that says Become a Guest, and they can fill out some information. It just emails me directly. Um, and they don't have to fill out all the questions in there. It's just like overkill, most of it. So camp chef, really good camp chef kind of guy, cowboy cook, because somebody that could really uh, spice up the uh, you know repertoire of uh, whatever's on the menu when you're at elk camp or deer camp or whatever. 
I'm not thinking of like backcountry hunting. I'm thinking of the folks that go up with their trucks and they're they're in a wall tent or RVs or something, and there's a big group of you and uh, just somebody like that. So uh, help me out with that. See if you know anybody. The other two categories are I'm looking for like some kind of preparedness specialist, somebody that is. I don't care if they're like a way into prepping or they're just like you know kind of field craft survival level specialist, somebody preparedness. Um, that knows how to talk to people that whether they live in like the suburbs or the city or out in the country, uh, what they could do to prepare themselves and their family in the event that like something catastrophic, like worse than COVID happens, uh, and, and to keep their family safe and fed and, and, uh, hydrated and all that kind of stuff for like up to six months kind of thing. Uh, interesting topic for me. Uh, and lastly, I'm looking for a homestead, uh, expert. So, Many of you have reached out to me and are like, hey, do an episode about the homestead and and like tell us about being a homesteader kind of thing. Folks, I am not the expert that you're looking for for that. Um, we we were off grid for a while, but I mean, I have I have power. I have a well with running water. I I don't have a bunch of livestock yet. I, I just have like chickens and, and whatnot. Uh, it's not like I'm some expert at this. I'm kind of learning as I'm going, and we are half-ass homesteaders, meaning um, we can procure our own food, whether it's through hunting or gardening or, or, or foraging, uh, and we do. We do do a lot of that. But also, I'll run into town. It's uh, a half an hour away and pick up, you know, um, whatever restaurant, you know, they do those to-go orders. I'll, I'll bring that home, too. So <laughs> we we do a lot of cheating, uh, so to speak. So uh, I'm looking for somebody that is expert-level homestead. They, they know how to uh, – th- they can speak intelligently about gardening, uh, how to set up homesteads, whether it's, you know, a quarter acre or a 10-acre plot or, or whatever – uh, somebody that is very familiar with livestock um, and and other ways to live off the land and close to the land, uh, because apparently that is one of the most popular um, requests that I get for show or podcast episodes, uh, and where I can speak to somebody who's very novice or very entry level that is looking to get into homesteading. Uh, I would feel better about somebody who is, you know, just a lot more experienced than I am and, and, and they could speak about how to use the resources of the land uh, to get by and feed the family and all that kind of stuff. So those are the three. I know they're not all specifically hunting related, uh, but they all kind of tie into the lifestyle in general. So that's what I'm looking for. If you guys have anybody that you know of, shoot me an email at jim at com or have them jump on the Western Huntsman podcast website again and um, fill out the tab that says want to be a guest and you click on that and it's got a little questionnaire. You hit submit and it goes right to my email. So either way, I'm totally open to it or they could slide right into my DMs. I'm, I'm good with that too. Okay. So that aside, guys, uh, I want to say Michael was one of the first like three guests on the show and then he's been back. I don't know, three or four times. I don't. I, I lost count. We he's he's always somebody that we get a lot of good feedback. He runs a uh, an organization called the Elk Calling Academy, and mm-hmm. it is um, packed. It's an action packed, and this thing has evolved through the years. By the way, uh, Michael and I go way back um, where. <laughs> He used to do like this whole thing on Patreon, and he did the uh, uh, Wapiti Wednesdays live uh, Q and A sessions on like Facebook and YouTube and all that. And it's just grown and morphed into this big thing, where now Michael has a website called the Elk, or it's, you just go to elkcallingacademy.com. dot 
and it's got an online elk course. Uh, there is one-on-one private instructions uh, lessons. What did I just? I just lost a tab. One-on-one lessons, live Q and A, call call and gear reviews, uh, and calling tips and tutorial videos. It's it's an action-packed site, and I'm really excited to have him on. Michael, man, it's been too long, brother. I appreciate you joining me. It has, it has. It's good to good to be back in the Broken Titan studio. I, I I've been sitting here with my hand in the air, waving since you started your announcements on. Hey, I need three people. Yeah. So you know somebody. I do. Mike Edgehouse um, on Instagram. He's Cut Right Mobile. So oh, it's, I've had, it, yeah, I've had Mike on oh, the show. Yeah. So I, I mean, you know, did you see what he did? <laughs> he, he cut the tip just, of his finger just, off. Just the just the tip Tuesday. Yeah, yeah that's just a, the tip. That's Tuesday. a that's a sharp knife. That, that is a sharp has knife. Has got to be so. a, dude. It cut through his fingernail and everything, and then it shows yeah. there's a picture of a chunk of his thumb on the knife still. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. But no, I just you know I just I got to thinking about him because everything he does is wild game, and he's mm-hmm. got tons and tons of recipes and. I mean, every time I know, every time I go to his page, my mouth just starts watering. So yeah, he's good, man. He's good people to 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 know for sure. Uh, I yeah. I really enjoyed. I think it was last summer I had him on, but it was all like meat care related because he's yeah. he's like this meat scientist dude. Yeah. And and for those that don't know what uh, the the Cut Right mobile app is, it's like how to how to process, how to cut the yep. meat, how to uh, get it out, keep it safe, and then cook it prepare it and yeah yeah he's awesome now he's diving into a bunch of recipes and but yeah anyways so but yes good 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 to be back sitting down and talking with you brother and and it has been far too long it has been i i feel like uh you were coming on regularly and and then there's like just been this big gap of time like what's been going on (laughs) how you been doing oh doing good you know i've just you know really really had my my head down focused on yeah you know this this website and this online course it's it's been in my mind for three four years and you know the last couple of years i've been recording you know the instructional videos and putting this thing together and i was like okay man this summer i'm going to go out and i'm going to film all the rest of the videos and i'm going to put this thing together and about three weeks ago i was like you dummy, you already have enough tutorial videos and stuff. Just get this thing launched and then keep adding new videos to it, but just, you know, get it out there. So for three weeks, man, I just came in the office and shut the door and and just started. And I completely built this thing. This is, this is everything, you know, all the copywriting and the picture, you know, sourcing the pictures and editing of the videos and, and so my goal was to launch it June 1st and I actually got it done a couple of days before. And so I sent a message to all my hunting partners and I'm like, all right, you cheap asses, <laughs> here's a code that will give you guys free access. Please go in and test everything, test all the links. Let me know if something's not linking, if it's not working, if there's videos not playing. And those guys went on and scoured everything and so so thankful that they they you know were able to go in there and do that and of course i gave that big sigh of relief of oh i managed to link things together to where it actually works 
So God, I know that's so, gotta, yeah. that's got to be a pain, man. Figuring, I would not be able to do that. I'd have to hire, uh, I don't know, some web guru to to help me put something oh, like that together. I I wouldn't have you, a clue. It was the worst part is is because on the on the website you have a members area, which that members area you have to pay to get access, and trying to get the actual e-learning the online course to link with that members area so that it was seamless and and easy to get into and navigate it was just it it just kept kicking back and i couldn't get it to line up and then finally i was just sitting there staring at the computer and i'm like what's that little box right there and then i read it and it was simply it was simply putting a check mark in one little box oh really oh (laughs) Yeah, that sounds yeah. like me. I, I'm like learning how to do podcasts every time I do this and record a new one. And it's like, you know, how many years have I been doing it now? And I still yeah. screw it up, man. Oh, it's, you know, hey, I completely understand that remark. It's it's just like, you know, let's see, I started elk hunting in what, 1988, 89. So a couple of years of, of hunting elk. And there's always that first couple of days that it's almost like you have to get back into the rhythm of the mountain and back into, you know, chasing elk with a bow that you make just silly mistakes that you just shake your head and you're like, you idiot. Oh yeah. You knew better. I, I use worse language than that. Yeah, I, I do too out on the mountainside. And, and in fact, if this was, you know, a family rated how I normally talk up there, all you would hear is beep, 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 what? Beep, yeah. beep. Yeah. yeah. So, nah. I, yeah, they elk know. It was the first few days when I get up there, they're, they're, I, I swear they're all telling each other, oh, that, that head of shit is back. And yeah. remember him from last year? But uh, it's funny you say that, man. I always feel like the first few days – it's it's like not uh, it's almost like knocking the the cobwebs off the wall. <laughs> it is, you know what I mean. And and I I do. And it's not like I'm out of the woods all. I'm in the woods all year <sighs> long. It's not like it's some new thing. I I have just not been in the mountains all year. I, like I'm I've been spending uh, since I've been home from work today. I've uh, getting the popcorn ready. I just got all my Batum nine hundred seven stuff. You know, bear season is on. And, nice. and, uh, you know, so it, anyway, you, September hits or that August 30th is, is when it starts up here. You know, I, I get out there and it's, it's rare for me to get a bugle in the first, I don't know, day or two, but it's that first bugle that I get. And I don't care how far away or how close it is. It's like, okay, now I remember now like all this stuff that i work on all this this practicing and talking to experts like you and and talking you know going through some of these online courses and and all the knowledge that i try to learn watching youtube videos uh all of a sudden it starts clicking but it takes like that first bugle or or even uh last year it was a cow call i i spooked a bunch of ca- uh, cows that were kind of uh, laid up in the shade, I don't know, 100 yards above me, and they all started just squawking at me, you know, and, and uh, they didn't know what was going on, and then they winded me and they were gone. But anyway, that, that's like kind of, <laughs> you know, that's I, I think that's normal for everybody. It It, it, it is. And, and I mean, last year, I, I mean, <clears throat> 
opening day, there's there, there's a spot that I wanted to go up into, and and we we've hiked up into it before, and it's it's a pretty decent hike, and so I bought a couple of electric bikes in April of last year, and so that first morning, I, I looked at Bryce and and I said, hey, how about you and I just take the e bikes? Let's let's go up into this area and and hunt it. Let's let's check it out because we've never really been able to hunt this area because i mean it's it's a pretty good pull to get in there just to start hunting and so we ride the e-bikes in and you know we we work up in and all of a sudden here we are in this tall grass meadow with a little stream rolling through you got a rock face on the right you you got a box canyon up at the end i mean just just a gorgeous area and i'm bugling and bryce is shaking his head and he goes you suck (laughs) and i go what he goes you're supposed to be this world-class caller and you can't even get a freaking response so i took my grunt tube and smacked him in the belly as hard as i could with it and then just walk, walked away so that he, now he's he has the grunt tube now now he's, so, got, now he's gonna come at you with his hat in his hand yeah so so he starts bugling <laughs> i cross the creek getting the trees and i i kind of start doing some some cow sounds and all of a sudden this flash of tan and i look up and here's this little four by four at about 19, 21 yards. And I'm like, Oh, that's kind of cool. Um, hmm. And so I'm, I'm motioning Bryce to stop and we sit there and play with him and couldn't get a shot. So then I backed up to where Bryce was to the meadow and then we looped around and I said, okay, I had my opportunity or I had my call in. you're the shooter now. And I'm calling that dude came running from across the Canyon, went right past Bryce so stinking fast. And all of a sudden it's 12 yards broadside to me. And I'm like, we're 37 minutes into the first morning. It's not supposed to happen like this. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> and so, so then, you know, we, we kind of messed with him for, for quite a while. And then we explored that. And then the next day I'm like, okay, I'm just going to focus on calling for you guys. I'm going to pack the camera. I'm going to leave my bow in camp. And Bryce goes, don't, don't, don't leave your bow. And I'm like, no, I'm just going to leave the bow. And he goes, you know what happens every time. And I'm like, I'm leaving the bow. So we get set up on a wallow and calling. And all of a sudden, here comes two bulls just – now, mind you, we, have, we still haven't even heard a bugle yet. Here comes two bulls just – full on dead trot down the drainage. And then I'm standing 12 yards broadside from a, or, or straight on from a five point. And right behind him was a spike. Well, I was calling for Bryce and Brandon that were on the other side of this little Creek next to this wallow. Oh, no. I was, I wasn't expecting this, the elk to come to me. And I, I mean, I was doing the breeding sequence, which, you know, is one of my favorite calling sequences and, <laughs> those bulls run off and all of a sudden, you know, I'm laughing and Bryce comes over and he goes, you're a dumbass." And I go, what do you mean? He goes, I told you not to leave your bow at camp. Every time you leave your bow at camp, you always get backdoored. You always have a bull. And I'm like, am I really a dumbass though? And he goes, what's that <laughs> supposed to mean? I said, well, you're the one that doesn't come back here and sit by me. So who's the dumbass? Yeah. Yeah. Let, <laughs> so, let me ask you something let, that, that you mentioned something that piqued my interest there. So uh-huh. you find a wallow, yep. And uh, I, 
well, walk me through that. So you find a wallow and yep. you, you just start calling. You use using that breeding sequence. Well, what what we did was because you know the, the start of the season is normally hot. I, I mean, you know, it's it's ninety degrees, ninety five degrees, and so what we do is is that first part of the season we focus on cool dark draws. Where you get into those cool dark draws, I mean, it's it's ten to fifteen degrees cooler yeah. in those draws. And a lot of times in these, you'll have these grassy bottoms with creeks with little marshy areas that turn into wallows. So one, the elk are searching for these cool, dark draws to get out of the heat, just like we are. But two, they also have that wallow that they can go in and, and just lay in that wallow and get muddied up to cool themselves down as well. And I mean, who the heck wants to hike around the mountains and sweat your tail off when it's 95 degrees when you can hang out in a cool, dark draw and buy a creek and buy a wallow and so yeah we'll we'll set up by those and we'll do blind calling routines which you know a blind calling routine you're not calling to an elk you're basically you're telling a story and and it could be you know different things like you know you could be doing an inviting cow routine which is you're a lost cow looking for a group and you're doing you know specific vocalizations that you know we teach in the online course that they're what's called inviting meaning they're either asking for a response they're asking for an elk come to come to you they're asking for a bunch of elk to come to you you're getting very demanding of hey where the hell are you and and so they're they're very specific sounds in those or you're doing the breeding sequence which is a bull that has a hot cow and and so that's what's that's what's kind of cool about you know, blind calling is you have the opportunity to tell a story. You don't know who's listening out there because, you know, they may not be answering and they may not be bugling. You don't know who all's around, but you get to tell a story and you get into that story and, you know, you become kind of theatrical about it. Do you feel like, Michael, like, is there with, with that breeding sequence particularly, is there such thing as too early in the season to do that on a wallow or because you're right that first week man can be 80 90 degrees even mm-hmm. in the high country uh they're gonna be in you know not far from a wallow if it's an active wallow so uh but th- like i always feel like they're not quite at that point where they're you know going nuts over hot cows because there are no hot cows yet they're just staging for it so what, well, what's your take on that you got to understand that, that the different age class of cows, they'll come into estrus at different points throughout the year. Yeah, so true. majority, majority of the cows come into estrus right around, you know, the 21st, 22nd, you know, your, your autumn equinox. So, you know, your equal amount of daylight and darkness, but you can get cows that come in early in the year. So it's not going to be that many. And the way we do this is so typically in the mornings, cause you know, your, your mornings heat up so fast early in the year. Um, and so typically in the mornings, we'll do more of that inviting cow routine. Mm-hmm. And then evening time is when we'll kind of break into the in, into the breeding sequence because since it is cooler and it cools down pretty quick in the evening and then into the night, elk generally are a lot more active 
in that evening into the nighttime in that early part of the year because it does cool down faster. And they're more interested in being active longer because they they know, hey, that cool night is is going to be here. We're okay. You know, we'll be through the cool night. So, um, yeah, yeah. But I mean, there's there's <laughs> there's so many different calling scenarios, and, and I mean, we we did a tandem breeding sequence last year. That was, I, I mean absolutely stone cold quiet couldn't buy a bugle it was just a quiet day and i i looked at brandon and said okay this is what we're going to do i'm going to start doing the breeding sequence let me get about 10 minutes into it and then you come in like another bull that's coming in from the side and then we'll just go from there and i I mean we got to the point he came in and bugled and then i started getting you know kind of turned into that defensive bull uh-huh. You know, hey, I've got a hot cow. You need to stay away. I don't want you here, you know, getting aggravated. And it was so funny because he was bugling and I bugled over the top of him. And he dropped his tube and he kind of turned his head to me like, you SOB. Oh, okay, it's it's on now. And then we just fed off each other. And I walked over to him and I said, hey, I said, get about 15 yards from me and just mirror me. And, and I said, and, and let's just bugle back and forth. And we sat there and acted like two bulls mirroring each other that are just going back and forth and feeding off each other. And the next thing I know, man, there's bugles all around us. And, and you know, we have we have two shooters out, out in front of us because we had four of us together because we were kind of getting towards the tail end of the season. And Bryce had a bull come in his direction. Kevin had a bull come in his direction. There was another bull that was bugling. And it's like, these guys were here the whole entire time. But it wasn't until we created enough excitement in our calling scenario to get those guys fired up. And Would you say over the years, like, have you had more success with that breeding sequence or, or like, pissing a bull off and, and you know, not just challenging them, but working them up into a challenge scenario. You know what I mean? But see, that's what's cool thing about the breeding sequence is the breeding sequence can turn into that aggressive challenge, especially if you have a dominant bull in the area and all of a sudden that dominant bull is interested in your hot cow. Man, then it then it turns into that challenge, knock your hat off your head because he's freaking screaming oh man, here comes the freight train. You can hear him coming. So it can develop into that. And and, and the one thing that I like about the breeding sequence, the reason I like it so much is it gives you so much flexibility. And, And what I mean by that is you need to pay attention to how the bull is responding to you. And I think this is one big critical mistake that a lot of new elk hunters make is because everybody wants that screen fest. Everybody wants that in mm-hmm. your face bugle. Let's get it on. But not every bull is in that mindset to get to that. And if you try to force that, you can, you can intimidate that bull to where he just unplugs, disconnects and he's gone. So, but it, the breeding sequence allows you to pay attention to the responses that you're getting from the bull. And then you're like, okay, you know, I've got a good idea. I'm dealing with a younger age class bull here. I don't want to get too aggressive. So I'm going to focus heavy on the cow sounds, making it like she's a frustrated cow that yes, there's a bull there with her, but she really doesn't want him. 
And he's kind of that timid teenager in the backseat on prom night of, I'm really not sure what I'm supposed to do here. Yeah. And, and, and so then you can, you can stay on that lower level and, and the flexibility of it allows you to call in a lot more elk. And so you have a lot more encounters, you have a lot more opportunities and, and a lot of excitement, you know just a lot of fun. You know what's interesting? I've been I've been kind of going down this rabbit hole of uh, you know doing and I do this every few years. I'll go I'll go crazy research and like elk behavior and stuff like that. And I mm-hmm. what what I, I I I had this question in my head and and actually it kind of sparked out of out of deer season because I I had a few circumstances that uh, you know made me think about this, but. It is surprising to me because everybody's so dead set and and sure with their opinion about how it's only the big mature bulls that end up breeding the cows, right? It's actually not. It's mm-hmm. it's not always like mm-hmm. they're 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 going to have some level of consistency, but the accidental breeding sessions that mm-hmm. that take place by these little raghorns that that are able to slip in. Uh, mm-hmm. And 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 somehow get in on these these uh, cows that are that are usually being protected by some big herd bull. You know, it's surprising how much they end up breeding that cow. They, these oh, little yeah. raghorns. Same with deer. Uh, big time. In fact, uh, Jim Heffelfinger, who's like you know the in my opinion the the expert of deer, all things deer in North America. Um, right. Super cool guy. I was emailing him about it, and and he was saying, "Now you would be surprised at how many little two and three point bucks get some action and and end up breeding." And so it's not always the big bucks and the big bulls that make it happen. Uh, these little guys do slip in, and they do get lucky, and that's why they try. You know what I mean? It's crazy, huh? Oh, absolutely. Because because if you think about it, you you've got a big mature herd bull, and he's got twenty five thirty cows, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, what yeah. if he what what if he has multiple cows that come into estrus at the same time? That, he's not going to be able to do it all. No, he can't. And and so that's that's why this is another reason why I love the breeding sequence because the breeding sequence has a lot of sounds in it that are only done during September that are only done during the rut. And so bulls recognize that sound; they know what's going on. That's why. When you walk into a canyon that there's a hot cow, oh, it's a bugle fest. It's just, there's bugles all over the place. And so, and that's, that's what it is, is you have the herd, herd bull, and then you have all these satellites that are on the outer fringes and so they're, they're, they're trying to get their chance, but also too, there's some areas like, that area that I mentioned that we went into opening weekend, we, we went in there a few more times and we went up high on the ridge and just glassed. There was two different groups of elk that lived in there. And one group, actually both groups basically was a four by four with three to four cows, Hmm. both of them. Yeah. And it's, and it's like they had this, this split line, on this face, they never crossed that split line. They had their own area. But here's two four by fours that have cows. And, and we sat there and just glassed and watched those guys for quite a while. 
And what, what's funny is back on the other side of the ridge where we were doing that tandem breeding sequence, there was a really, really nice solid five by five that was completely solo. Really? And yeah, and we were sitting Even there with going, that little that smaller raghorn up up the hill, huh? All he had to do was was I mean I quarter think, of a mile, I think, quarter of a mile or less, and he he could have he could have easily kicked the crap out of both those four points, and he would have had six cows. Silencer Central. Folks, if you want to learn something new right alongside me, check it out at SilencerCentral.com. I've never put a suppressor on any of my weapons, but I'm going to start now. And I'm using Silencer Central to help get me started because they walk you through the whole process. To include, you can ship the rifle to them, they'll thread it, they'll put it on, and they will ship it back. And you can make payments on the whole thing while you wait for all the licensing to get approved, which they take care of for you. It's a great process, and it's a great company, American manufacturer, right there in South Dakota. And we are really excited to be partnering with them. So check it out at silencercentral.com or give them a call at 888-781-8778 and let them know that you heard it on the Western Huntsman. Hoffman Boots is my go-to boot i love the explorers in the eight inch and they've got the vibram sole totally waterproof no break-in period they just glue your feet to the mountain you can't ask for more out of a boot and you don't have to break the bank to get a pair so check it out at hoffmanboots.com again another american company a local north idaho friend of mine who runs this company decided to make some great hunting boots for all people that are serious about getting into the backcountry to chase elk and deer and bear and everything else out there. So check it out at hoppinboots.com. Use promo code all caps lock huntsman 10 at checkout to save you 10%. I think attitude has a lot to do with that. Like the, the, the elk's attitude, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like just these little, I, I, it reminds me when I was in the service, in, in my platoon, I had this, uh, there was this little dude, his name was Lance Corporal Pena, my buddy. I love this guy. Um, and Pena was just a small dude compared to the rest of the Marines. He wasn't, he wasn't tall. He wasn't big. He wasn't ripped. He wasn't anything in comparison to some of the bigger Marines. And, but people feared this dude. Cause he was a scrapper and he had an attitude, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think that that happens that, that, that concept, I think there's a lot you can learn about animal behavior and elk behavior, oh, yeah. you know, just by learning human behavior because we're all freaking animals. And Absolutely. so the, I, I want to go back to something you'd mentioned. So you, you sure. said, you said, okay, you walk into a Canyon and you know, there's a hot cow. Cause there's like all these elk bugling. That happened to me a couple times uh, last year. I'd, I'd kind of cross crest into, you know, the next drainage over or something. And all of a sudden it'd be on fire with elk yeah. and, and yeah. they're screaming. Um, I feel like I made the mistake because, and, and I love these scenario type questions. I, f- I feel like people get a lot out of these. Um, sure. I feel like I made the mistake of walking in there like I'm one of the bulls. I'm, I'm you know, watching my wind. The thermals are pretty consistent at this time of day. Uh-huh. I, I work around and I start screaming like the rest of the bulls. The problem uh-huh. is, is, is like the, sometimes they'd answer me back, but the, they were like constantly moving and shifting around and, 
like sometimes they would completely ignore my bugles and other times they just kind of answer back but mostly they just kind of treated me like I'm some just another knucklehead out running around uh mm-hmm. you know making a bunch of ruckus because he thinks he's a, the the big boy on the block what what do you think I should have done differently when you walk into a, a drainage or a canyon like that and you know it's kind of on fire there must be a hot cow somewhere you're getting multiple uh-huh. bugles what yep. what what does Michael Batiste do in that situation Turn around and leave that canyon and come back the next day. Why do you say that? Okay. Because it's hard for me to leave. Dude, if, if, it, it if bulls is. are it, bugling, oh, man. It, it is. And, and, and so, because if you think about it, so what you have going on there, you have the hot cow, you have the herd bull that's on that hot cow, and then you have the satellite bulls that are around. So that herd bull, he's focusing on the cow to breed the cow, mm-hmm. but he's also focusing on the bur- uh, on the satellite bulls that are around because he's he, he's being a defensive bull. He's he's defending his hot cow. So you coming in and bugling to that herd bull, you're just another pissant raghorn. Mm-hmm. Great. Mm-hmm. Here's another one to deal with. The other guys, they're like, mm, here's another one we have to compete with. You know what? Who cares about him? Focus on this herd bull, focus on this cow. So it's really tough to pull that herd bull off that hot cow, especially if, the, and same thing with the satellites, especially if they've already caught a whiff of the pheromones in the air, they're locked in. It's like, uh uh-uh, uh, we know there's a hot cow right here. I'm not leaving this hot cow to go over to that bugle. Now you back out, you come back in the next day and now it's quiet, which is usually the case because now there's not a hot cow in there. Mm-hmm. So imagine you slip into that area and you start doing the breeding sequence. Now you're a bull with a hot cow. Wait, 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 ba- back up just a minute. The next day yep. you're talking the yep. next day, right? And, yep. and the next day you're saying, the the drainage is like it's not on fire. There's not multiple elk bugling. Right. Okay. Okay. Sorry. I. Yep. Yep. No. No. And that that happens. That happens a lot. I mean, I I remember early on in my hunting career, same thing. I would I would get into a canyon and here's just multiple bulls lit up, and all of a sudden it's like, yes, somebody flipped the switch. The rut is on. We are going to have bugles galore every day until the end of the season. And you have a heyday bugling all day long. You don't get any elk. And it's like, okay, I am definitely going back in there tomorrow because there's plenty of opportunities. And you go in and you don't hear a bugle one. And immediately you start thinking, did somebody else come in and blow the elk out? Did a predator come in and chase them out? What's going on? They were screaming yesterday. Why are they not screaming today? And that's why, because the day before there was a hot cow that put all those pheromones in. And I mean, you've, you've got a bull that are doing sounds like glunking. Glunking is a sound that is only done during the rut. They typically don't glunk during other times of the year because what glunking is. So, so that's why I said, you, you already know it's going to be tough to compete with all those other bulls that are bugling. So why not just back out, come back in the next, and and there's been times that I've, I've come back the next day. They're still screaming because there's still another hot cow in there back out. Maybe it's the third day or the fourth day that now finally it's quiet and it's like okay now it's my turn to get up on stage and i'm going to be the bull with the hot cow and i've and i've seen this happen where i've been able to watch the watch the other bulls especially that herd bull he'll run around and he'll scent check all of his cows Mm -hmm. and it'd be like i don't have a cow that's hot 
but that dude over there does. He knows that he can leave his cows at that point and come over to where you are because all those other satellites that were pestering him are also focused on you. He already knows that those satellites are going to be hanging around and come in your direction also because he's already seen those guys do that to him. So, okay, you're throwing a lot at me here, man, and you know how I have a, <laughs> I have a, a short attention span, very short yes. attention span. So, I uh, glunking, I yes. have never had that I know of any real success with glunking and I, I have my bugle tube here and what I do yep. is I is I take the palm of my hand and I hit the mouthpiece with yep. the tube. So it sounds kinda like this. Yeah. Yep. So how do you do what what are you doing? Are you doing let me ask you this. Here's what I do. Tell me if I'm right or wrong with it. Yep. That that's basically all I'm doing. I hope I hope the the mic is picking that up. Oh yeah, it's, it's pretty it's quiet. Pretty, normally, normally all I do is just. You know, okay, just so singles. a little bit a little bit slower between you know slower on the beat. Yeah, just just singles. Singles, because I'm I was going you, da 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 da. Yeah, you're you're not sending out Morris code to your fellow Marines. There, you're you're basically just. <laughs> You know, it's, 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 it, cause you got to understand blunking is basically a bull testing the air. It's goom, goom, goom. He, he's testing the, the pheromones in the air. So, mm -hmm. um, it's, it's, I don't think I've ever heard a bull double glunk. And, they, and I'm not saying that they can't do it. Just my personal experience with all the interactions, it's usually goom. I've, goom, I, you know, I've never goom, actually heard goom, a bull do it. Goom. I've never well, actually it, heard a bull do it. And I've honestly, seen it I'm on not, video, I, though. And I'm not surprised, and here's why. So a lot of elk hunters go out, and they have their ears tuned for one thing. Mm -hmm. The high-pitch bugle. They don't have their ears tuned to the low audible sounds. So... There's a lot of low audible sounds within elk calling, like glunking, huffs, raking. These are all things that are low audible sounds that don't travel very far, but they are critical sounds during the rut because, again, these are sounds that only happen during the rut time. And um, I remember our, our, our good buddy, Mr. Guy. So, Are you talking about Guy Duplanchet? I am talking are about you, Are you are you fearful? Are you ever fearful of saying his last name in fear you're going to mispronounce it? No, actually, I'll call him uh, a Duplanter once in a while just to <laughs> just to mess with him. So, but but no, guy guy and I were talking and he was getting ready for a Colorado elk hunt and, and we were having we were having a discussion. In fact, I think I was on a podcast you know with him and I was talking about low audible sounds mm -hmm. and and he called me as soon as the season was done. He goes. Dude, until you start really listening for low audible sounds, you don't realize how much they do those low audible sounds. And he goes, now I'm just racking my brain how many times I walked past elk, not even paying attention to the low audible sounds, and there was elk right there. Mm -hmm. He goes, and once you start really tuning your ear for all elk sounds, not just the high whistles, not just the bugles, but all elk sounds, 
He goes, it's amazing what you hear. And, and honestly, those low audible sounds will tell you so much about a bull. So Speaking. I mean, especially doing, especially doing the breeding sequence, you will hear bulls glunking coming in. You may not hear anything else. You haven't heard a bugle. It's like, God, what the heck are they doing? Then all of a sudden, boom, boom, boom. It, it's, it's almost like a Tom spitting and drumming. Mm, okay. Okay. That makes a little more sense. Okay. Speaking of low audible sounds, I got It's It's been like on my mind since it happened. So I got to like say it out loud. And I haven't really talked to my wife today. So I haven't been able to tell her about it. I went, I, I went to the chiropractor today. Okay. Cause I'm getting old. back you know it's always something stupid like i was i was uh cutting wood with the chainsaw on sunday and kind of threw my back out over something really really dumb so this dude i went to he's like this younger guy like i was a grown-ass man by the by the time this kid was born and uh, which which is just mind-boggling to me and and you know he's doctor this so and so and and the dude, so he's like, you know, you know how they just really kind of rake you over the coals, and and you feel like you're getting taken advantage of, and uh, it, it's it's, I don't know, uh, um, violating in a way. I don't know if you've ever been to a chiropractor. <laughs> oh yes, yes, I have. So so he's got me in this pretzel like position, and and he'll do the little thing where they they really push, and it kind of you could hear your back getting realigned, you know, that, that uh-huh. rattle almost, and every time he would do that. He'd like he'd kind of pump his fist and he'd go, mmm. Like he got major satisfaction out of popping my Ooh. back into place. It was the damnedest thing I've ever seen in my life. And so finally I sit up, I'm like, man, you you get a lot of satisfaction out of doing this, don't you? He's like, dude, there's nothing like it. I'm like, you don't elk hunt. That's awesome. <laughs> but anyways, I had to like tell somebody about this crazy chiropractor who was just all sorts of excited every time my my spine would crack back into place. You know what? <laughs> but uh, okay. he was passionate. Exactly passionate. Now think about when you're out elk hunting and you hear that bugle, that first bugle of the year. Do you do, do you fist pump in the air and yeah? Oh, you're damn right. You hear I that? Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So what what about that? The, you were talking about low audibles, and you mentioned the huff sound. What? Yes. Do you replicate that? Yeah. So you know, through through a tube, and I don't know how well you're you're just. You're just huffing into the tube, and do you ever you know, throw? Sorry, I cut you off there. No, 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 no. You're okay. It's you know, and then you can you can add to that. That's 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 where you're. Mm-hmm. And. So that actually sounded really good because I, I, I got a buddy I went hunting with, uh, you know, last couple of years, Steve Johnson. He does it and he does it without a read and he yeah. sounds really good, man. Like he gets yeah. that, that high pitch and, and he, he'll go into these moans like that. And it's it's almost like a whine, like he's frustrated. I, I want to do it. I want to show it see is. what you think. Yeah. And and he'll throw like that growl in there, and, yeah. And dude, elk go nuts over it, man. He had they, like they, at one point there was four different bulls around me, but they're I'm down in like this alder brush. This was two years ago. I'm down in this alder brush, and he's up kind of on this hill. He could see all these bulls, 
and they're frustrated trying to find me, but I can't see them, so I have no shot. Uh, it, it was cra- It was one of the best days I've ever elk hunted. That's awesome. Okay, so so, so we talked about frustration, right? Mm-hmm. Here's here's a little way to add a little bit of emotion into your calling. So so frustrated, like like I had mentioned earlier, you're that you're that teenager in the backseat on prom night, not really sure what to do. So where I was talking about acting like a younger bull that's really not sure. Mm-hmm. So see see if this makes you think of frustration. Oh man. Hell yeah, man. So Every, everybody listens everybody listening you need to take that clip that that I don't know what 15 20 seconds there and just kind of put it on repeat and and learn how to do that because I'm telling you I have I, I haven't quite mastered that like that but I I have hunted with somebody who has and and Michael you're even better at it uh it makes the elk go nuts it it does because it, it gives it it does a couple of things it, it it shows that frustration especially when you're coupled you know with with a cow and you know you're doing some raking and you're doing these huffs and you're kind of moving around and you're you're portraying that here's this bull following this cow and this cow really you know she she really is not paying an attention she's like yes you're a bull but you're not the bull that i want and you start acting kind of frustrated kind of timid like this especially if you have another bull that's kind of bugled a little bit what you end up doing is you kind of end up giving a false sense of security to this other bull that you're calling to because he's like, mm-hmm. that little blank, 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 he doesn't know what the heck he's doing. I'm going to come trotting in and I'm going to be the savior. And what happens a lot of times is you'll you'll get that bull out there and he'll do something like this. <laughs> you know, just that Mm -hmm. soft little bark, Mm -hmm. that whine and two or three chuckles. Basically that bull is telling that cow, Hey, come to me. He's not the man that you want, but I am come to me. And, and so as soon as you hear that, that bull's done because now, because now you can start, you, you know, Remember how I mentioned those cow sounds that now all of a sudden are asking for another elk to come to you? Yes. So now all of a sudden you start doing that back to him and saying, okay, come on over. I heard you. I'm interested. And you don't, you don't head towards them. You, 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 if you're 150 yards or less, you stay where you're at. If you're say 200 yards, you can move up 50, 75 yards to him and you get more demanding on that sound. And he's probably going to, you know, again, a little bit more emotion. Mm-hmm. See, I did the same thing as that other bugle, but now I added more emotion into it. So I'm being more demanding. I'm basically, you know, yelling at her, get over here now but you stand that ground, you get more. No, you come to me and then you mix, you know, you go back to those little huffs and that little timid whine and, and I'm not sure what to do here. 
And then finally that bull is like, you know what? I've had enough. I'm just going to come in and I'm going to run that other bull out there and I'm going to breed this cow. So, and I want, I want people listening to understand, I want to be totally clear about, you know, this is kind of all wrapped into this breeding sequence, right? It is. So I want, I want people to understand like you're not covering the, the full birth of of what the breeding sequence is here. (laughs) And so guys don't just go out and randomly start doing that because I, I, it's really critical that you get the first steps down and I I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, let the cat out of the bag because it's all on the elkcallingacademy.com. Yes. um, Within there. And, and that breeding sequence is money. And, and so can why not, let's let's kind of come back and because I get I get super excited about <laughs> talking elk and I'll start going you know we'll keep this going for three hours and uh, I don't want to do that so tell me a little bit about what people could expect um, give give us like the elevator pitch of elk calling a cat okay. why is it different why is it uh, why should elk hunters that are that are coming out you know, should sign up for this course. Is it for beginners? Is it for novices? Is it for master, you know, level elk hunters? Talk to us about it. Sure. So elk calling academy is really geared for anybody. Um, you know, the beginners that really want to shorten the learning curve, maybe those guys that have been hunting for a little bit and they want to increase their chances for success. Um, you know, the, the, the person that has been hunting for a few years, but wants to just learn more, you know, they, they got the bug. It's like, I want to, I want to learn all things elk. And within the course, you know, right now there's uh, 58, 59 tutorial videos. And it's, it's, I, I teach all of the different cow sounds on a diaphragm read. I teach the cow sounds on an open read cow call. If you're a person that can't use a diaphragm, you're going to learn how to do all these sounds. I have practice sessions to where I do the sound, I pause. And so almost you can mimic me for those people that, you know, are pretty good at playing an instrument by ear. Um, So we can do them back and forth. But all your cow vocalizations, all your bull vocalizations are taught on a diaphragm read and an external read. And in the in the calling sequences, I, I don't just teach one sequence it's it's not just a one size fits all because every single elk that you encounter is going to be in a different mindset it's going to be a different situation and you know that elk's mindset could change within the course of a 30 minute interaction or an hour interaction so being able to recognize what's going on what the situation is and what that bull's mindset is then you can tailor your story or your calling sequence to meet that bull. And what that does is that increases the number of call-in opportunities. Um, You know, we also setups. Setups are one of the most critical portions of elk hunting. Um, You know, we've got a module that's, that's dedicated just to setups, you know, how to choose a good setup, what makes a good setup. I, you know, I what, are, what are the pieces? That. I need help with that. Like, Michael, I'm not kidding you, man. I am really good at calling an elk. I suck at closing the deal, and it's mostly because I, I get setups. so I, I get so excited that I screw up my setup. Uh, I like I I deflected I deflected two arrows on two different bulls before I finally hit one bull uh, at la- this last season, and and the bull that I ended up killing was this uh he didn't even bugle man he just kind of chuckled super light he like was not in the mood to 
he wasn't like displaying, he wasn't pissed, he wasn't, he was just, it was like, it was almost like he was coming in for a friendly conversation. You know what I mean? Right. And it's, it's, there's so many, that's what I love about this kind of stuff. And I, I want to clarify, and we're going to get back to what you were talking about there, but I I do want to clarify real quick while it's fresh that like, I am not, I, I, and you know this, Michael, so you won't be like offended by it, but I don't pick one thing and stick to it. I, I am a huge, I have been a fan of the Elk Calling Academy since I found it, I, I don't know, five, six years ago. A while ago, yeah. A long time ago. I, I've been a longtime fan of things like uh, Row Hunting Resources, the Elk Collective, mm-hmm. the Elk Bros, mm-hmm. and, and Cody Rich's course. Everybody has a little bit different approach and different nuanced experiences that yep. benefit every elk hunter. And so don't cut yourself short and try to stick with one thing right uh, like like setups i i love what you're talking about with setups because i i didn't even know what set i think it was row hunting resources in fact where where i even learned that there was something that you need to be, even be cognizant about when you're yep. calling in this elk and yep. and i love hearing everybody's take as to how this whole thing comes together because you have you have elk hunting you have Within that, that's like this big umbrella, right? Right. Within right. elk hunting, you've got locating elk. You've got uh, finding elk that if you're if you're wanting to call a bull elk in, uh, you know, communicate with these animals. There's that aspect of it, calling elk. There's there's stalking in. There's there's all these different phases, and then there's picking the right setup, uh, sh- making your shot placement. There's uh, you know all these things that fall under the uh, the umbrella of elk hunting, and that's what mm-hmm. makes it beautiful. And mm-hmm. and I just encourage everybody, you know, don't cut yourself short with just like one program. Like no. get get with multiple. Absolutely. Uh, so but, get back to what you were. Uh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you're you're fine. I was. Yeah. The 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 more knowledge and the more people that you listen to, the more knowledgeable you're going to become. And and knowledge is 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 key. You know mm-hmm. when you're out there, but. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, you know, we even cover e-scouting a little bit. We cover, you know, gear reviews because that's one of the questions I get asked a lot. What's the best diaphragm read? Well, that's a loaded question because it's the answer is different for everybody. But the one thing that really sets Elk Calling Academy apart from everybody else is every two weeks I do a live Q&A for the herd members. And you have to be a paid member to be able to access, you know, that live Q and A. And so really what that does is that gets you face to face with me to where you can ask your questions. You can. And, and one of the things that I started doing differently this year with the group was we added in um, a few episodes here and there of elk calling techniques. And, and so what we actually do is we will pick a specific sound and I'll ask the group, okay, Guys, in, in, in two weeks on the next live Q&A, it's going to be another calling technique. What sound do you guys want to focus on? And so they'll pick the sound and then I'll explain the sound again right there live. I'll, I'll you know, do it a few times so they can hear it. I'm like, okay, you guys have two weeks to practice. And then when we come back, now it's like a group calling lesson focused on a specific sound we're talking about it and i will call people out okay you know jim hey it's your turn let's go ahead and you know hear it and then i can make corrections what if i'm really 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 shy 
And you don't, you, you don't have to, I ask for volunteers. I'll, I'll ask, Hey, who wants to go? And, and the cool thing is, is, is the, you know, a lot of the guys that are in there, they're in there because they want to get better. Yeah. They, they, they want, you know, they want to do it right. They want to, you know, become proficient at it. And so they're like, you know, there's, there's, you know, a few of them that are like, I'll go, I'll go. And then you get that one guy that I'll go first and he just absolutely nails it. And then you see everybody else go, nah, I ain't following that up. <laughs> nope. I ain't doing it. So, but it's, but it's a nice relaxed environment. There is a good group of core group of guys that have been, you know, herd members for a very long time that are very helpful or very supportive, you know, and, and of course there is a little bit of trash talking and, and, you know, fun in there as well, but, but that live Q and a, and then the cool thing is, is then you have, I, I think I put, I, I think I put two years worth of, of replays from live Q and A's in there. And you talked about shot placement. That's mm-hmm. one of the ones in there. I mean, I, I pulled pictures up and I drew the triangle and I've got a bull broadside quartering away, quartering two f- straight on. And, and so, you know, we did a whole live Q and a just on shot placement with, you know, live elk and drawing everything on it. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, this is what you do. And, and I'll throw some wrinkles in there and, you know, I'll be like, okay, where are you going to shoot this elk? And they're like, Oh, I'm going to go right behind the shoulder there. And I'm like, congratulations. You just shot him in the liver. Yeah. What are you talking about? I shot him in the liver. I shot him right behind the shoulder. Yes. But do you notice that that near leg is back? With that near leg being back, he's blocking his his heart and his lungs. So really, if you're shooting right behind the shoulder, you're shooting him in the liver. Right in the liver. And they're like, oh, and they're like, oh my god, I I I didn't even catch that. I said exactly, but and that's what happens a lot out in the field. It's like, holy crap, no, I shot him right behind the shoulder. How the heck did I? What? God, maybe I that's, maybe I didn't. That's so. what happened that one time. I I I I had phone service and I called you on the mountain. This was uh, years ago. I remember ago. that. You remember yeah, that? I remember and that. I, yep. I, if I drove up to the top of the mountain uh, after I I because I shot this bull down in this nasty nasty hole, and I, mm-hmm. I it'd take me like an hour to hike back up to the road, and then I'd have another half a mile to my truck. But where my truck was parked, I had phone service just barely, and I called you. And I'm yep. like, dude, what happened? What do you think happened? I I, I got this thing, uh, hit him good. There's blood, and all of a sudden it stops, and it's like this. It, it, it was just I anyway. I don't want to go into yeah. all that, but um, it uh, back into uh, oh well. Let me finish my thought there. Okay. It was the way the bull was walking, and had stopped with his leg kind of kinked back, blocked yep. the vitals. And I'm yep. pretty sure I liver hit him because there there was no bubbles in that blood. Yep. Um, so anyway, um, back, back to Elk Calling Academy, one-on-one lessons. Tell us about that a little bit. So one-on-one lessons, I, I've been, and, and in fact, that's how Elk Calling Academy started was with one-on-one lessons. Um you know, I had a, had a guy reach out and, and ask if I had ever taught anybody. And, and I said, yeah, I said, you know, in, in all the times I spent it, you know, in the booth at sports shows for the call companies that, you know, I represented for years. And I said, yeah, I've taught all kinds of people. And, and he's like, well, I want to, I want to sit down and do some lessons with you. And he goes, I know your time's valuable. I'll pay you for your time. And I'm like, you don't have to pay me. And he goes, no, he goes, your time's valuable. Just figure, figure out what you think it's worth and get back to me. And, and so, you know, I 
called him back and said, okay, you know, we'll, we'll do it for, you know, this much per lesson. And we'll, you know, each lesson will be about an hour. And that's how the one-on-one lessons started. And, and I mean, I've, I, I've done one-on-one lessons, you know, with people right here in Boise. I've done one-on-one lessons via Zoom with people over on the East Coast, up into Canada. And it's it's really cool with Zoom that we can get face-to-face, but you get a recording of that lesson. So um, usually usually I charge I charge $50 an hour or $50 per lesson. But Elk Calling Academy members get those for $35. So the I, I've always wanted to do that. I, I just feel like there there's something and you know, I'm I'm a dude that's been a musician most of my life and, and so I know the value in one on one lessons and I feel like I feel like people might not understand the difference between like sitting in a classroom or with a group of people, the 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 different variances of, of how you intake information, how that changes when you're one on one, and the focus is just on you. There's there's like pressure on you. There's you have a liability involved. Like you need to learn this because you're one on one. There's there's accountability that that happens with that, and that, that's what I really like about the uh, the um, the thought of having like these one on one lessons. Uh, it, it, Go ahead. The, the go other ahead. The, the other cool thing about the one-on-one lessons is, you know, there's a lot of times that, you know, I'll get into a lesson with a student and it's one little minor adjustment. Hey, move that reed back in the roof of your mouth just a little bit or slide your tongue forward just a little bit or, hey, try this. And then all of a sudden. Some of that was just, real dirty talk, Mike. Dang, I know. Geez, I know. Man. I know. I know. You know, get yeah, getting getting tongue and sliding forward and all that stuff. <laughs> I mean, hey, I, I, you know, I, I get into I get into my calling. So, but <laughs> no, sometimes sometimes it's just one little adjustment that all of a sudden it's like, yeah. And a lot of times they're like, "Are you kidding me?" I have been trying to teach myself for a year and a half now, and all I had to do was this one simple thing, and then mm. it just clicks, and then man, then they're then they're off to the races. So, but no, the, the one-on-ones are, are extremely, extremely valuable. And I, I, I just, I love them just to see people pro, you know, their progress. I, um, I'm sure you see like light bulbs go off in, oh, in yeah. your eye, you know, in their head uh, when you've like struck a nerve. And, and I know, I know that happens a lot because I'll, I'll be shoot, man, I'll be recording this podcast and somebody will say something and, and I don't care if it's, we're talking bear hunting or elk hunting or deer hunting. It doesn't matter to me. Somebody will just say something almost off the cuff, not really the focus of the conversation or the, even the point he was trying to make. And it's like, ding, ding, ding. A light just went off in my head. Okay. I'm not even going to say anything, but, but what this guy just said set that light bulb off and that's what I've been screwing up all these years. And and that's that's the beauty of all this technology these days. You know, what a world we live in where you can have a one on one elk calling lesson with somebody in Pennsylvania while you're sitting down there in, in uh 
where you're in Boise, right? Yep. Yep. You're one, you're one of the you're one of the flatlanders down there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 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 Right. There's, there's the uh, yeah. Let's let's not get into the North Idaho South Idaho uh, debate right now. So <laughs> you know what I was going to tell you, man. I was in this. Uh, so my my day job, we he has us in this uh, training thing. We we log into and it's it's people all over the country. Um, that, that log into this training and we all have to, it's kind of like, it's kind of like what you're talking about. Uh, it's, you know, like an online course, but it's live and, and the instructor mm-hmm. is, is live and it's all like through zoom and whatnot. Anyway, one of the guys, um, I can't remember what state it was. It was somewhere in the Midwest he was in, uh, and what company he was for or whatever. But, uh, he, he had a question related to what we do, you know, during the, again, this is like construction management type stuff. Right. Um, and uh, so you know how uh, when you're on Zoom and somebody starts talking, it, it pulls their their uh, live feed up, and all of a sudden you can see them where before they're, they're kind of minimized or whatever. Right. Yep. Guess guess what he was wearing? Elk Calling Academy T-shirt. That's right, man. He was wearing an no Elk way. Call- yeah, I'm serious. And and <laughs> this was like this was like I don't know six weeks ago, eight weeks ago, or something. And, uh, I, I remember I, it, there's like a hundred people in this thing. And so I didn't want to chime in and be like, Hey man, you know, blah, 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 Elk Calling Academy. But, uh, I, I noticed it and got a kick out of it. And I, I grabbed my phone to try to snap a picture of it. And then his question was done and the instructor started talking and I never, I never saw him again. Oh, so that's, that's it way was, cool. It was the one with the logo and it says ECA, you know, yep. and, and, yep. uh, yeah, it's a nice shirt by the way. I don't know why I don't have one. I thought I did send you. Did I only send you a hat, dude? I still have your hat. I've I've been. I I just put it through the washer. In, in our fifth wheel, <sighs> we have a washer. I'll nice. trade. I'll trade you a Western Huntsman shirt for an Elk Calling Academy shirt if you got any. I I don't have any in right now, but brother, as soon as I get some more in, one will definitely have your name on it. Okay, we'll talk. We'll talk. So for sure. Yeah, it's it's, it's kind of funny. Uh, um, got a couple of days ago, my phone vibrates and I open it up, and James Nash. Um, sends me a picture, and I don't know if you know who James he is. He is the Six Ranch podcast guy, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Super so, cool but, dude. But, He's a fellow Marine. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. So that guy, he, he uh, but he sends me a picture, and it's him and Chad Dobson at some CPR event, and they both have on Elk Calling Academy shirts. They both showed up not knowing. And they both showed up wearing out calling Academy shirts. Nice. So he, he he snapped snapped a picture and sent it over to me. And I'm like, ah, thanks guys. I I there's a there's a little uh elk fair over in Legrand, Oregon at Alpine Archery and Fly. And and Chad and James and I, all three are are three of the speakers usually over at that. And so when I was over there a couple of years ago. I uh, tossed each of them a T-shirt, and so so yeah, oh, nice. they had to send me a picture. Re- they had they had to send me a picture representing. So that's 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 cool. That uh, yeah, you were on some work podcast. Yeah, heard, I yeah, you know. and I didn't know the guy. I never, you know, th- th- this is just a bunch of uh, big commercial roofing companies that put their heads together, and and he popped up. So I need to get that's James awesome. Nash on the show, man. I've never talked to him. James, oh man, that guy. Um, it, he, you, you want to talk about somebody that just has a thirst for knowledge. And once, once he has a topic, he's going to dive in and learn everything that he can. 
about that subject. Well, and what I um, what I really like about his show is like he's got it's not just one thing. It's not no. just elk hunting or outfitting no. or, or ranching or any like. It, what does he say in the beginning of it? It's like. Yeah, you know, for for those who get their hands dirty or those yep. with calloused hands or something along those lines, and yep. and I, I like that concept. You know, I obviously I'm homesteader and all that, so uh, it's oh, just cool, man. And then that guy, when it comes to long range shooting, I mean, that guy has just a depth of knowledge. So well, he's a and then. And, and then the other guy I mentioned, Chad Dobson, you, you want to talk to a guy that is a, a, a trail camera fanatic that has studied the art of trail cameras. Um, that's <laughs> what that's so I, I'm I'm now you've piqued my interest because I think there is an art. <laughs> I think there is an art to trail cameras. And I just got these spy point cameras. Uh, yep. I'm super happy about these spy point. Cam- I'm going to take uh, one of them up to the bait barrel here tomorrow um for for bear but two of them are cell cams two of them are not cell cams yeah tell me a little bit about that uh what 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 do you mean by that because Uh, i i don't know if you saw that i posted like a week ago or something but i i i went up and and this was by design michael i i went up and i found the most random spot it was not on like an elk trail or a game trail it wasn't on it wasn't like where the the drainage kind of crosses or or anywhere where you would think would be a pivot point to attract animals to pass by it, right? The video shows this monster ass buck. I mean, just monster whitetail. And I don't. It, it's so fast in the video. I don't even know if people even even see the caliber of whitetail mountain public land buck this is, right? And then there's, you know, a bunch of bull elk. There's a bull moose. There's um, tons of different bucks on there. And it was the most random setup I've ever done. I just literally walked up from the truck from where we were picking huckleberries like 200 yards and placed this camera. And so I'm curious what you mean by the art of trail camera placement. Do you have like an opinion on it? Yeah. So, you know, like I said, we're, we're over in LeGrand at this archery shop and Chad's doing a deal on trail cameras and placement and he was talking about he he was up and here was this water source and he goes but there wasn't a tree around there was nothing to hang a trail camera on and he goes most people would just walk away and go oh i'd love to put a camera there but i can't he shows a picture where he built this little rock Taj Mahal with his camera sitting right in the middle of it, that the camera was secured. It was upright. It was able to capture the water hole, the trail coming in. I I mean, just everything. And I'm like, who thinks of that? Who who thinks of, you know what? I'm just going to take these rocks and I'm going to build basically a trail camera caddy that's going to hold this thing in place at the right angle to capture the information that I want. Total geeks like me do, man. We think of that. <laughs> um, that guy would be my homeboy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's, and, and I, I was just so fascinated with what he was talking about and his thought process of, you know, how he chooses where he puts the trail camera, 
Um, you know, cause you definitely want to point it the right way. So you're not getting morning sun blur out or afternoon sun blur out and, you know, yeah, all this yeah. stuff. And, and, but I mean, just everything he was talking about and he goes, you know, when you get to a spot, you really need to think about what do you, what do you want to capture? What information do you want to get? Most people just walk out and go, yeah, this looks like a great place to throw a camera on a tree. But are you thinking about, man, do I want to capture a morning travel corridor or an evening travel corridor? Which direction are they going from or to, or, you know, you got to think about all that information. And he just, you know, it was, it was a quick little 30 minute deal. And I'm just listening, going, I need to hang out with this dude. I, I need to, I, I just need to go and sit on his couch and say, dude, for the next eight hours, we're just going to talk about trail cameras. I would love that. I, you know what? I, I wonder, could you hit him up and, and I'd love to get him on the show to talk about trail camera placement and things like that, because I think there is a science to it. Just like what you do. You've got this expert, uh, elk calling Academy thing, right? That somebody's got, and I feel like I could speak fairly, not scientifically, but at least intelligently about how to place a trail camera so that you're not getting 3,541 pictures of a leaf that, that blows in the wind, <laughs> right? Because I've, right. Learned all, I've learned all these hard lessons. And so, uh, but, you know, the sunlight placement, you know, that all has that, that really plays into it. And, and there's, there is kind of this science behind it. Um, that'd be an interesting, that'd be an interesting conversation. I don't know. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll give him a shout when we get done here. I'll I'll shoot him a message and well, hey on your on your website here, Michael, it says uh-huh. hyd- uh, hard side hydration. What is yes. that? I'm gonna click so, the link. Hard side hydration basically takes the world of a water bottle and a water bladder and marries them together. So it, it, it's actually a cap and tube that they came up with that screws onto any wide mouth bottle. And oh. so, so now basically, cause I mean, I love having the hose so I can drink easily, but I hate yes. cleaning water bladders. And in fact, usually I got to the point where I would just throw a water bladder wait. away and go, you know what? I'll just buy a new one. Wait, 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 wait. You're supposed to clean the bladder. Yeah, I know. I know. I, well, you know, once once I forgot to clean one once and I went to use it a few months later and it was a nice, lovely green color in the bladder and in the hose, I think we've all been there. <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah I, I don't recommend no, drinking I'm, water I'm out of that. I'm terrible at it, man. So, I, I, end up buying, I, too. I, I, I end up buying one or two of them a year because I, I don't ever clean them out. I hate it. I do too. I would get to the end of the year and just throw it away. It's like it's 15 oh, totally. bucks. I'll buy a new one. Exactly. So, but, but now the, the cool thing is like, you know, you, you have these hydro flasks or hydro cells that are insulated, you know, stainless steel insulated to keep the water cold forever. Now with the hard side hydration, you can use that same water bottle, screw this lid on it. Now you have the advantage of the hose right there on your, you know, strap oh, of your, yeah. of your pack. I'm, I'm on the website now. Mm-hmm. And so guys, hardsidehydration.com if you're curious about what we're looking at, but it's, <laughs> Basically, you can like hook it to your Nalgene bottle. Yep. Uh, shoot, just about anything there, um, and they even have like this uh, cleaning brush. Yep. Too. So these guys, these guys launched. They went live last year, and and I had seen them on Instagram leading up to the Western 
Hunt Expo over in Salt Lake. And so, um, you know, I reached out to him and said, Hey, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to be at the, at the Western Hunt Expo would love to sit down and talk to you guys. And so I, I did a review video right there. In fact, on my YouTube channel, it's, it's titled why I don't ever use a water bladder or why I no longer use a water bladder. Yeah. 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 But yeah, did, did a video with these guys and then Liz and I grabbed bottles and grabbed one each and it's like, Oh, now everybody in my camp uses them. Okay, so. I'm gonna I'm gonna buy one of these. Um, this this is super cool. I, I I've, I'm always looking. Is this that thing that um, and I don't know if you uh, or or pay attention to it or whatever. But is this that thing that Aaron Snyder was talking about, where he was like, you know, I had this idea, but then these guys did it, and it's a really good idea, and I can't even improve upon it, kind of thing. Was that uh, could that could have been. Cause he's a big, he's a big like Nalgene kind of guy, you know? Um, so that's, um, I, I really like that concept because I'm like you dude. Like I never, I've never cleaned. So uh, again, I have, when I was in the Marines, they just come out with the bladder idea Mm -hmm. that would go in the pack Mm -hmm. and, and we're so young and dumb. We would fill them with, uh, like whiskey and Coke, like Jim Beam and Coke. And, right. and think we we're hydrating big big freaking mistake man it it just destroys the bladder and so they and they were they were expensive back then and so um I, ever since then i've like never really trusted them i feel like i right. have to just replace the bladder um i don't like like who thinks of that who well right. let, people with my attention span who thinks of you know when you get home clean out your pack and, and you pull the bladder out who thinks to go clean it i don't i, I no. just like whatever huh Heck cool no. you're you're just you're, you're you're getting home and you want to pile your gear into the corner until the next trip and then you'll deal with it deal, deal with it then especially if it's been a weekend where you've gotten your teeth kicked in and yeah so but no yeah this cool. this concept and, and funny that you said when you were in the military that came out with bladders when i was in the military we were still using the uh tin cans yeah the old so. canteens man yeah that, that yeah. was before well you were in they still had like the horse cavalry right you, you had to pick oh, out your saddle really and now okay cavalry yes i was just but i was part of air cab <laughs> i was i was air cab actually so the the hot air balloon Ooh. air cab not- uh, you know not 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 quite the hueys so <laughs> and and in fact i was i was in and they were just phasing out the hueys and there was a big discussion of oh okay they're phasing out the hueys are we going to go blackhawks or chinooks and me being the young smart guy that I was, I was like, "There's no way, heck, I'm interested in flying in a Chinook. If we switch to Chinooks, I'm done. I'm getting out. I have enough time in." And you, you must have been in the army because we had uh, the, yep. the Marines got all the hand-me-down Hueys after that. When <laughs> I, I, I love my wafty wop. <laughs> whenever, whenever, like the battalion commander was coming in to check on our position, and, and I don't care if it was on base or in Iraq or in Kosovo, wherever we were at, everybody would say, "Oh, here comes God," because the, the Huey was flying in to check, you know, and and it was offloading the battalion commander. <laughs> oh yes, 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 yes. Which, on so. that note, I I want to point out, uh, Michael, that on today, today the, the we're, we are recording on June sixth. We are D Day, D Day, Normandy. Yes. If it weren't for those heroes, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing now. And I just want to recognize that, um, you know, the, the I, I really have 
profound respect for the folks that uh, went through that. And it's just an amazing feat. They are the greatest generation for a reason. Absolutely. And uh, America wouldn't be what it is today. Well, America wouldn't have the luxury of being what it is today, which is arguing about what gender everybody is exactly. without yeah. without <laughs> those folks back then. So just, just kind of a cool little shout out to our uh, our D-Day veterans and our World War II veterans. You know what's so. you know what's funny about that is um, Memorial Weekend. So they were doing a Band of Brothers marathon, which I I love the Band of Brothers series. Liz had yeah. never watched it, so oh really? I sat down and started watching Band of Brothers. She made it all the way through, but her anxiety level was through the freaking roof, especially when they were in Bastogne. She mm. is getting shelled, and and so she, I mean her anxieties just. I mean, it's that anxiety meter was pegged and she's like, look at me. And she's like, how can you be so calm watching this? You know, you know what that series does really well on um, when, when it comes, because you, you know, there's, there's being in a real war and then there's war movies, totally right. different things. Right. Yep. Yep. But what that, what that show captures very well is the, the cultural, nuances of being in an infantry platoon like the yes. the way that the guys give each other shit and how like yep. some of them are characters and super funny and some of them are like not you know they're super serious or they you know don't have much of a sense of humor and some of them are pranksters and some of them you know and the way that they they barter back and forth with cigarettes and and yeah. little little things like that that movie does a really good job of capturing that cultural thing from like a private to corporal to sergeant level you know military uh infantry platoon uh, i i think that they do a good job with that show for sure yeah. um, and you know the, the combat scenes aren't terrible either no no and then they they actually you know bring in the actual members you know yeah. And, and, yeah, and discussing so yeah yeah so yeah crazy stuff so well there was some there was there was a couple of nice little rabbit holes we uh veered off the freeway on yeah we always do man <laughs> this is why, i know this is why we need to do this more often it's uh, absolutely we, we learned a little bit about elk hunting we honored our world yeah. war ii veterans we yeah uh, yeah talked about this hydration deal you got on your website well let, let's let's kind of wrap it up man with uh okay give us give us kind of the is there anything we missed that people should know about elkcallingacademy.com? Um, I'm trying not to get tongue-tied with that. Elkcallingacademy.com uh, and the online course. Um, yep. Is there anything we missed that you feel like it would be important for people to know about it? You know, it's it's just the amount of information that's that's on there and, and uh, the 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 variety in, in the ad, different avenues that you can go. So Oops, my the, bad. <laughs> there's the you, yeah, I was going to say you're playing with your keyboard again, your, your <laughs> soundboard, but um, no, it's, it's, there's, there's different calling scenarios that, you know, people can, man, I really like this scenario or I really like this scenario scenario or, you know what? Hey, I'm going to take a little bit from this one, and a little bit to this one, and I'm going to kind of marry them together and make my own scenario based on you know this. And you you have that freedom to do that. But the nice thing is, is, is like I said, with the live Q and A's, getting in with a group that's like minded, that supportive, and you know, a lot of those guys in there have a lot of hunting success too. That 
can share. And, and so it's, it's, it's a group learning environment. And, and I, I you know, I don't know. I, I, I kind of feel like we need to offer a little code or something for your incredible group of followers that you've got. I'm blushing. I'm totally blushing, blushing. About, about the code. Okay. Well, I mean, <laughs> after all, you are you are Jim the big time huntsman. So, you know, we've got to pay homage here. So and the only right. reason I say, the only reason I say you, that, well, you know, if they saw the picture from a couple of years ago with the blonde wig and the sunglasses, they would understand the Jim <laughs> the big time huntsman. <laughs> I, I don't know. So. You know what was more even better than that one? The in terms of uh you know what the reactions we got was the cowboy hat wrapped in a skunk. Nice. Did you see that one? I forget. Yeah, I forgot I was about that one. teaching people how to really turkey hunt the way I turkey hunt, and I had the skunk wrapped around, which uh, which came from my buddy. Actually, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna refrain from saying that because I have two furs that I th- that were sent to me, and I and now I'm mixing up which one came from which. So anyway, <laughs> the um the code. Go, go ahead with that. Yes. So, okay, access to the online course, it's usually $99.99 a year. And you can... Wait, uh, wait, wait, wait. $9,999? Yes, yes. Is that what it is? Yes. No, no, just $99.99. <laughs> okay. So it is done through PayPal. And the cool thing is, too, people can use PayPal credit to where they can do six months to pay that $99.99 at no interest. But... Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. Yep. So for those listening and, you know, or followers of the Western Huntsman podcast to say thank you, if you guys go to elkcallingacademy.com, up at the top, you click on online course and there's going to be an intro intro video. Right underneath that, there's going to be two tabs. Click on register now and that's where you're going to put in your information. And you'll see on the right-hand side where it's going to say, coupon or code type in huntsman 10 capital h huntsman 10 and that is going to get you 10 percent off so basically you're going to get essence ten dollars off and that's not ten dollars off your first year that is ten dollars off forever as long as you are a member of the academy you will have ten dollars off for as long as you want to be a part of that group. And Michael, for perfect clarity for people that are listening, how much of that are you paying me? Absolutely nothing. I am just paying you with my dynamic personality and friendship. I'll take it, brother. I'll take it. I like your dynamic personality and your friendship. I just, I always like to clarify that because there's something that that gets lost in this thing where you know with promo codes people think they're 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 like getting rich off them or something and no. and I do want to make it clear like like I'm not getting anything out of it I just I really do what I the the case that I want to make for everybody listening um you guys you guys have heard me preach this for a long time having the the what's between your ears filled with information is way more important than uh, you know, expensive packs and and the best camo and and uh, you know five thousand dollar glass on your scope or the you know the 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 best new strings on the bow or or the the latest and greatest bow. Keep in mind, guys, it, like Native Americans did this. Well, I won't even go down that 
path. Um, <laughs> I, 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 you, you guys know what I'm. You're smelling what I'm stepping in. The the, the point Absolutely. with this is, is seriously the the knowledge base and what I really like about Elk Calling Academy, and and Mike kind of a, alluded to this to to an extent, but it, it's like a community. It's not. It's not just like, uh, oh, you sign up for this online course and watch watch a bunch of videos, which is great. I, I'm not, I, you know, don't don't get me wrong. That is always valuable. But with Elk Calling Academy, it's it's going to be more of a community. There is live Q and As. There's one on one interaction. Uh, it's 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 done th- through somebody who actually has a legitimate and genuine. Um, you know, interest in seeing you succeed. And, and I think, I think that that's, that's what's really important. Um, and, and so we are, we are here. We we were just talking how this is June 6th is D day. Um, that is less than three months until September one. And so that is plenty of time for you guys to sign up for this course and go through all the content in it. There's, there's like what, 60 videos in it, Mike, somewhere around there. Yeah, there's yeah, right around that sixty mark right now, and and I mean I have let's see, one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirty forty fifty sixteen seventeen eighteen nineteen twenty twenty one twenty two twenty three twenty four twenty five twenty six twenty seven twenty eight twenty nine thirty thirty one thirty two are coming on. You know, I've got I've got written down, um, you yeah. know, two on one calling scenarios, one on one calling scenarios, using the terrain to your advantage. Um, you know, rutting sign, rubs, wallows. How to know if it's an active wallow? How to you know if it's an old wallow? Same thing with rubs. Is it a fresh rub? Is it last year's rub? Is it a rub from three years ago? So you know, you can define that. Oh man, this is this is a breeding area that, you know, this bull comes to year after year after year after year. Yeah. Um, you know, this is, this is all information that, you know, the, the, the rubs thing. I mean, that's information that you can get during the summer that all of a sudden you're looking and going, man, there's five years worth of rubs in this area. I'm definitely going to check this out this September. Totally. So, um, so, so yeah, stuff, it it really is important stuff. I I really want to, I want to drive that home that, it's the little things that you pick up in in courses like this that that will make the difference for you guys. It's not the big, I guess, what the popular or or um, what people imagine that you're going to get out of an elk course, online or otherwise. You know, yeah. whether it's a seminar or whatever that you know they're looking for this secret magic button, this easy button, so to speak, uh, this this uh, magic call. Uh, or or the perfect sounding bugle, um, you know it's not that's not what notches tags. It's the no. little things like like what what Michael was just talking about. Knowing how to identify a current rub versus a rub that was three years ago is actually pretty difficult. Um, it is. That, that's not a super easy thing. Um, understanding how a wallow works. And if it's a, if it's an active wallow, understanding what to do when an elk makes a, a, a very specific sound that you might not even identify as an elk sound because you don't know any better. It's yeah. those little things that oh, make yeah. all the difference. So yeah, I mean, is is that bull telling me to stay away? Is he telling me to come to him? And 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 I mean, you know, two weeks ago, because uh, our next our next live Q and A is is tomorrow, the seventh. Two weeks ago. I need the to topic the, the the topic was El Nino or El Nino La Nina Hunosa. 
So basically, I talked about El Nino and La Nina and how those water patterns of the Pacific Ocean could affect our elk hunting this fall and why they have an effect and what it's going to do to the elk. Are the elk going to be grouped up in one hard, you know, one big group? Are they going to be spread out? I mean, because if you if you notice that, if you've elk hunted long enough, you're like, God, all the elk are really grouped together this year in large groups. What the heck? Usually it's we have little groups all over the place. Well, yeah. here's a little hint. Yeah. Those 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 El Nino and La Nina have a part to play in that. And I mean, and that's a that's a great point, actually. Um, that's something I'd love to dive into, but that's a whole other episode there. <laughs> But the one thing, you know, just as, as we're kind of wrapping this up here, Michael, uh, that I had this, I had this theory or this perception, and this this was years ago, that you could go to Cabela's and mm-hmm. find this perfect magic call, and it would be effective everywhere you go on every single elk. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I want to, I, I really want to highlight to, especially you new new uh, elk hunters out there, man, that's not how it works. So let, let's look at a drainage. If if you've hunted in in a drainage or a canyon, one specific, very specific area, uh, you, you know, maybe maybe it's a, a specific mountainside or or whatnot. Let's say there's fifty elk on this mountain, mm-hmm. and roughly out of those fifty elk, roughly five to ten of them are going to be branch antlered elk. And there's going to be a few spikes in there as well, right? Am am I Mm -hmm. on base? No, no, you're right. So let's say there's 10 out of the 50. There's 10 bull elk that are branch antlered bulls, whether they're raghorns or they're, you know, giant 300 class or better or 400 class, whatever. Each one of those bulls, have a very specific thing that they're going to respond to on a very yep. specific day. So that, yep. that that giant herd bull might not even acknowledge you on Tuesday, but come yep. Thursday, man, mm-hmm. that might be a different thing. And so Absolutely. that's what's nice about something like the Elk Calling Academy is understanding those nuances and how to talk to each of those 10 elk and not just the one that wants to get pissed off and, and scream back and forth with you. Because that's yep. my favorite way to call it an elk. But that's a very small percentage of the bulls that are on the landscape when you're out there. And Absolutely. so that's that's what we're trying to expand upon. Those other elk seem to get a pass because they're not pissed off when you happen to be in that drainage. And mm-hmm. and we're trying to make it so those elk don't get a pass. Yep. Um, so yeah. So in the show notes, guys, uh, there will be I will have a link to the elkcallingacademy.com. Uh, I will have a link to what you think, like your Instagram or anything, Michael. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, we've got Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Um, each of those have links over to the website. Um, you know, right now, I I don't post as much on each of those. In fact, I think I just uploaded a video on the YouTube channel a week ago. It was a, a call review on the Native by Carlton new V3 series. And man, that's that's the first time I've uploaded a public video on there for a while. <laughs> well, it's time to, time to get a little more active on that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I have some more uh, uh, calls to test. And, you know, last year, 
Um, last year, I did not do the uh, grunt tube challenge for 2022, and I have some new tubes in already this year. So there definitely will be a, a grunt tube challenge for 2023, and and looking forward. I, I always have a lot of fun doing that video. Well, I I think I, I think that's good stuff. I and and you know once we're done once we're done recording, you just you know tell me which links you want in the show notes. But but the biggest thing is you're gonna have we're gonna have lcallingacademy.com in there, mm-hmm. and the show or I'm sorry the uh, the promo code for that is gonna be capital H for Huntsman ten. Yep. Uh, that'll get you guys ten bucks off for the course, and you have roughly three months to go through this thing. Plus, let's see, there's uh, two, four, six, so basically somewhere in the neighborhood of six uh, live Q&As that you can go oh, through. Uh, before single digits. Right? Single, I know. It's, single it's digits up, on man. a live Q&A before season. Yeah, Holy live cow. Q&A. So six of them, but you can get a lot of information out of a live Q&A. Uh, and, and so that, and that option is also available to any of the, any of you that like, maybe, maybe you're somewhere on the, on the East coast, you want to do a one-on-one lesson just to you know, really, really pump the, pump the juice before you come out here to the West and, and chase some mighty whoppity. Yep. Uh, I, I, I would highly recommend. So Michael, I really appreciate you joining me on, on this episode. Uh-huh. I feel like we always. covered a lot of ground. We're going to have to do it again, man. As always. Absolutely. Always, always your pleasure. Yeah. I was sitting there thinking, I think the last time I was on was the, uh, uh, school of September episode. So it has been a little while. Yes. Cause that was, yes, that was sir. a couple of years ago. We should have just made this a school of September, man. God, there you go. Well, you know what? Hey, I am not opposed to coming back on and talking elk hunting again. You know, I, I love talking elk and, and any opportunity to get to sit down and talk about it. Heck I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm in. Would would love to be a part of School of September. I love that series that you're doing. I think it's absolutely great for getting information out to people. Well, I appreciate that, man. It's uh, one of my favorite series to do, and so definitely let's work that out. And again, thanks for coming on the show, man. We'll uh, we'll I've, just keep in touch. Always a pleasure. Appreciate it. Thank you, brother. You made it. That's the end of the episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please make sure you're following us on Instagram at The Western Huntsman and write us a good review at Apple Podcasts. Thanks, guys. See you next time. Stay Western, and I'll see you on the mountain.